0: Presenting Detective Nicholas B. Harris in a salute to the law. Ladies and gentlemen, we again bring you Detective Nicholas B. Harris, chief of the internationally famous Los Angeles Detective Agency, bearing his name in another dramatized true life story pre- proving the folly of committing crimes. Now, Mr. Harris. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Applegate, and
1: good evening, everyone. There have been crimes where it seems that they do pay for a while, but no matter how slick the scheme or how clever the criminal, uh, something always happens. Tonight, I'm going to tell you the story of a master criminal who was literally getting away with murder. One afternoon, a few years ago, a fine-looking young man called at my office and introduced himself
2: as I'm Dr. Buck. I've come to you for advice about the situation that has risen at Mercy Hospital. Yes, Doctor. You see, while Mercy is a small hospital, it has always had an excellent reputation, and I'd hate to have anything happen to damage that reputation. I'm Chief of the Surgical Staff, and this matter really is not under my jurisdiction, but I feel responsible. Uh, Just what do you refer to, Doctor? The extraordinary bad luck, if it is bad luck, which has pursued the patients of Nurse Chamel. Four of them have died within the past year. Um. That uh, might be mere coincidence. (laughs) It might be. And it might not be mere coincidence that two of those patients who died were brought to the hospital by a Mr. Wood. Probably nothing would have been thought of that either, hadn't Mr. Wood displayed to Dr. Carey a liberality that seemed both out of character and out of place under the circumstances. Uh, Just what do you mean? Perhaps it would be better for you to hear directly from her. She's waiting in the outer office. She? Oh, uh, Dr. Carey is a woman. A very fine woman, as well as a very fine physician. Uh, have the lady sitting out there, Dr. Carey.
1: Show her in my office, please.
3: Uh, yes, sir.
2: Ruth, this is Mr. Hallis. How do you do? How do you do, doctor? Uh, will you take this chair? Thank you. I thought it would be better, Ruth, for you to tell Mr. Hallis what Mr. Wood said to you.
3: You see, I'm resident physician at Mercy Hospital 24 hours a day. Still, I had practically nothing to do with old Mrs. Elliott's case because she had her own physician. She was Dr. Ludwig's patient.
2: Mrs. Elliott was the second patient brought to Mercy Hospital by Mr. Wood. And the second one to die there?
3: Yes, but as I say, I had practically nothing to do with her case. I was very much surprised, however, when Mr. Wood came to settle with the hospital for the three weeks that Mrs. Elliott had been there. He asked to see me alone. And then he handed me an envelope.
4: There's a slight token of my appreciation, Dr. Carey, for your many kindnesses to my aunt, the late Mrs. Elliot.
3: But, Mr. Wood, I can't accept this. Why not? Oh, because I did nothing to earn it. Why, Mrs. Elliot was Mr. Dr. Ludwig's patient. Yes, I know. Uh, But I
4: feel sure that you, Dr. Carey, did even more than Dr. Ludwig to make the poor old lady last hours comfortable.
3: Oh, but really, Mr. Wood, I did nothing more than I would have done for any patient here at Mercy Hospital.
4: (laughs) Well, even so, I feel a debt of gratitude to you, Dr. Carey, and I must insist you accept this slight token.
3: Well, if you feel that way, Mr. Wood, the hospital is always in need of money, and I might turn it over to the children's free clinic. If
4: you wish. Uh, But in that case, uh, please keep my name out. Just it say it's a donation from a friend who prefers to remain enough.
3: All right, and thank you very much in behalf of the children who will benefit from the use of this money. Yeah, thank you, Dr.
4: Carey. Thank you for all your money. That's how it was, Mr.
3: Harris. And at the time, it seemed like a generous gesture on Mr. Wood's part. But later, when I told Dr. Buck about it...
2: We decided that Wood's purpose in handing Dr. Carey this money was to put her in a position where she would hesitate to stir up any inquiry into the cause of old Mrs. Elliott's death. So why should Dr. Carey start such an inquiry? Well, Mrs. Elliot was the second patient of Nurse Chamel who died in Mercy Hospital.
3: Yes. Of course, it may be mere coincidence, and I'd hate to do Nurse Shemell an injustice.
2: There is another fact which I just learned last night and haven't even told Dr. Carey. And what was that, Doctor? Mrs. Elliot had considerable holdings of real estate and securities. Her will was filed for probate yesterday, and Mr. Wood is named her sole heir.
1: Well, George, that looks suspicious. And suspicion became almost a certainty in my mind when further investigation developed that an old gentleman previously brought to Mercy Hospital by Wood and attended by Nurse Chamel had also left Wood a substantial sum of money. Nevertheless, we had no proof. The bodies of both of these unfortunates had been cremated. Dr. Ludwig uh, bore an excellent reputation. I was convinced he had not been a party to it. It surely looked as if here was one case where crime had paid. And then one of those strange coincidences happened, which always occur sooner or later. What was that? I was sitting at my desk going over the case file when the phone rang. Yes? Uh, Mr. Barney here to
3: see
1: you. All right. Send him in, please. Al Parker, eh? Come on in, Al. Have a chair. How's the movies? All right, I guess, Chief. When you left here, I thought you were all set in Hollywood. Yeah, that's what I thought. Then you never had a chance to show what you could do as an actor? Oh, sure. I had plenty of chances. Old men parts. And I was good at them, yeah, too. Yeah, I don't doubt that, Mr. good.
5: <laughs> good, say, I was swell. Why, I hung around the parks watching those old birds with one foot in the grave till I had them down pat. Shaky hands, croaky voice. <laughs>
1: so you've been acting old men's parts. Yeah, but... All right. Al, I think I got a very good job for you. Uh, go over this folder on the Woods case. I want you to get acquainted with this Mr. Wood. He travels a great deal. I wouldn't be surprised if... You could meet him on a train in a dining car. Perhaps that would be as good a way as any.
5: Table up front, sir. Let me take you on. hey uh, thank you. I, uh, I'm a little unsteady. I. We're a few minutes behind time. A good deal of sway when we hit the curbs. Do you mind, sir? Uh, what? Oh no, no, not at all. Thank I... you. Uh, this check, sir. Therefore, there you are. Thank you. Uh, beg pardon, stranger, but are those trees out there really oranges? That's right. Look right pretty and green after all that desert. This must be your first trip to California then, mister. Oh, uh, what's the name, sir? Old Milo Wood from Cottonwood Falls, Kansas. Well, that is a coincidence. Uh, my
4: name is Wood also.
5: You don't say. Yes, sir, this is my first trip, Seems like everybody in Cottonwood Falls has been to California but me. So when they struck oil on the East Forty, I says to myself, California, here I come.
4: You say uh, oil was discovered in your pocket?
5: Yep, finally got it. Been drilling around there for years, but they never went deep enough till now. Discovery Well is bringing me about 500 a day. Yep, she come in for about 4,000 barrel. My royalties an eighth. Drilling the second well now, and there's room for two more.
4: All wells, $2,000 a day.
5: Oh, no, no production drops when the gas pressure's let off. Year from now, maybe they'll all be on the pump. I don't figure it'll be less than 300, a good many years to come. And Lord knows that's more than
4: I can ever spend. Uh, uh, Mr. Wood, when we get to Los Angeles, I would like you to be my guest. I want you to come and make your home with me for as long as you care to stay. Well, now that's right, nice
5: of you. But I wouldn't want to impose your family wouldn't enjoy having an
4: old man like me around. I have no family. Is that right?
5: Well, uh, anyway...
4: Mr. Wood, there's nothing I enjoy so much as showing Southern California to someone who's never seen it before. It isn't often I get the chance, so you'll be doing me a great favor. I mean it, Mr.
5: Wood. Well, when you put it that way, I might accept your generous offer for a while...
4: your first day in Hollywood. Uh, how did you like it?
5: Uh, great. Only ate it too bad they couldn't have struck that oil 20 years ago while I still had pebble. Uh, what you oh, what is it? What? Oh, nothing. I couldn't get my breath for a minute, that's all. I, oh, give me a scare for a minute. I, look, there's something I think I better tell you now. I, yes, uh, what is it? Well, I... Didn't come out here just to see the sights or enjoy the climate. No, no. Nope. To tell the truth, neither of those are the main reason. You see, I ain't got a single living relative in this world except a nephew, and I haven't seen him since he was a little feller just learning to walk. My brother and I quarreled about that lucky forty-two. Come to think of it, he lit out for the coast and died there, and I never heard a word as to what become of him, Uncle. Why, Uncle! But but you said your name is Tom, and this boy's name was Oliver. Thomas Oliver Wood. That's the way I was christened. But I dropped the middle name, haven't used it for years. So you're Oliver. Well, my boy, I'm sure glad I found you. I certainly am having a run of luck. Striking oil and finding my long-lost nephew all inside of two weeks. Yes, sir, I certainly am. Oh.
4: No. Uh, now lie down, I'll heart, go, uh, I... Try and relax here on the Davenport. I'll call Dr. Ludwig and see if I can get Nurse Chamel. They're both very good and very reliable. Uh, uh, here's your room, Uncle. And here's Nurse Chamel.
3: Pleased to meet you, Miss. How do you do, Mr. Wood? I hope you like your room. Oh,
4: fine, fine, just fine.
5: Only the bed, could it, could it be moved over closer sure, to the window? Sure, Uncle.
4: Winter? sure, sure.
5: You see, well, there's a fire escape outside that window. Oh,
3: you're afraid of fire?
5: Well, I guess it's just an old man's notion, but I ain't never slept higher in a second story. Oh,
3: I... that's all right, Mr. Wood. We'll move the bed right beside the window. Oh, thanks, Miss. And then I'll fix you medicine. And... Like the thing happens, Mr. Wood
2: had the last an elderly, distant relative with money turned over to the tender mercies of Nurse Chamel.
3: Oh, that woman gives me the creeps.
2: John, he's been here two days, and no word from Harris yet.
3: Oh, another death, another murder. Oh, I can't stand it any longer. I'm going to intervene and warn that poor old man.
1: No, Dr. Carey, that'll spoil everything.
3: Oh, Mr. Harris, I didn't know you were We've here. We've been
1: trying to reach you. I've been pretty busy getting some chemical analysis made.
3: Oh, what about but, but the patient?
1: Don't worry about the patient. Wood went up to the room, didn't he?
3: Yes, just a minute ago.
1: Well, give him about three minutes and then we'll all go.
4: Nurse Mel, come here.
3: Yes, Mr. Wood. Yes, he uh... Uh, Well, he acts dopey, but his heart action is still strong. Dr.
4: doses, are you sure he took them?
3: The glass is empty. But I don't know whether or they, they drank it. I didn't want to force it on him.
4: Except a double dose, and this time we'll make sure he swallows
3: it. All right.
4: Oh, hello, Oliver. I didn't hear you come in. I... Oh, yes, I'm here. It's time for your medicine, Uncle.
3: All right, Mr. Wood. Now you just drink this, and in a few minutes, all the pain will No, I gone. don't want it. I, I don't uh,
5: want,
4: it. want it. But you must, Uncle, at doctor's orders. No, but, Oliver, I don't
5: want it. I tell you, I won't
3: drink it. You'll I...
4: drink it, and you'll like it if I have to hold you down.
3: That's it. Never mind his legs. Jump on his stomach uh, and hold it down. Right, his right. Mm-hmm. Got him. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll uh, hold his nose till I open uh, his mouth. Open him he out. I'll him, him out, can And hold him until long am You're not like that. Take that, you dirty
5: murderer.
1: You say what I would. Darn it, Chief, she's filled the medicine. Ah, we won't need it. Uh, there's enough poison in those two other doses that you handed through the window. The fire escape to kill an elephant. Well, you ain't no elephant, am I, geez? Ah, No, <laughs> you're a mighty good actor, Al, a mighty good actor.
0: So that was the end of Mr. Wood's career of crime. No,
1: it wasn't, uh, yes, Mr. Applegate, and of nurse Schimmel also. Dr. Ludwig, I am
0: happy to say, was able to prove his complete innocence. Thank you, Mr. Harris. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard another true life story brought to you by Detective Nicholas B. Harris, internationally famous Los Angeles criminologist and chief of the detective agency bearing his name. All names used are fictitious, and any similarity to those of actual persons is purely coincidental. This story was dramatized for radio presentation by Ralph Burchard, and is a Carolyn Carroll production. Those participating in this radio drama were Mary Ryan, Betty Windsor, Aldine Brenneman, Jack Burke, Bob Polton, and George Conkling. And now, may we call your attention to a new series of crime prevention programs featuring Detective Harris, entitled How Detectives Work. This new series is heard each Sunday morning over this same station at 10 o'clock.
5: You are listening to station KECA Los Angeles.